Good evening to all of you out there in Radioland, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. Kit, would you tell us a little bit more about the American Friend Institute? Uh, The American Friend Institute is an organization that honors the heritage of the motion picture arts. We produce educational podcasts about film, including Adam Sandler, Life in Pictures, and have curated a jury-selected list of the 100 greatest films of all time. (laughs) The American Friend Institute was founded out of our mutual disgust that The Exorcist was not on the American Film Institute's list of 100 greatest movies. It's also not on our list because no one nominated it. I think we all probably thought someone else would do it. So no Exorcist, but Tommy Boy did squeak in at number 100. According to the American Friend Institute, Tim Burton is the greatest director of all time, and the three best films in cinema history all came out in one year in a one-year period between 1981 and 1982, two of them starring Harrison Ford. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I'm joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we kick off Mike's colorful and cartoonish adaptations triple feature with 1980's Flash Gordon, directed by Mike Hodges and based off Alex Raymond's comic strip and inspired by the King Feature serials from the 1930s. Um, had either of you seen Flash Gordon uh, before? Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. So you've both seen it before. I had not. Uh, yeah. So this is the first time for me. Can, can, I, can I tell you like my mm-hmm. personal history with this movie? Yeah, please do. Okay. So I, this movie from like the ages of like, from like the age of like three to like six or seven maybe was like it, it easily in my top five favorite movies. Like if I if I think about the movies, wow. I know. If I th- well, is that really that insane though? You say wow, and I'm we're talking about no. I think because you ha- you hadn't you hadn't seen Star Wars yet. No, so that's it. yes, I had seen Star Wars, but let me let me just tell you that like I'm gonna tell you that the movies in my top five would probably be like Raiders, A New Hope, this, and maybe uh, like The Wizard of Oz and another Star Wars movie. So like only. So, like, only things based on serials from the 30s. I guess so, yeah. Well, I just, like, I'm just thinking of movies that I watched at my grandma's house. And, like, my grandma would only put movies on that she liked. Mm-hmm. And she really liked Flash Gordon, like, a lot. Um, nice. But, uh, yeah, so I've I've seen this movie, like, I've seen this movie so many fucking times. And, uh, and I'll t- let me tell you another thing about it is that I I stopped watching this movie like right around that age and then did not watch it again until I was an adult. So like the last time I watched this before uh for before we watched it for this recording was when I was like 18 or 19 and I remember like I was really excited to watch it. It was like right when pirating movies became a thing I could do, uh which is not cool, I know. But uh I downloaded Flash Gordon. I remember really being excited to watch it and just like absolutely being disappointed because it wasn't you know when you're three 
or four or whatever, you don't realize that something is like cartoony and ridiculous. It like you take it to be completely earnest. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just seeing it again was like, it was like my, my world had just absolutely shattered. Um, so <laughs> I went into this, so I have not watched this movie in 12 years and I was 12, 13 years. And I was like really, really sure. So I was going in like really hating it. Like I hated this movie for the last mm-hmm. like decade plus. Um, so I guess I liked it a little bit better this time because I was my expectations were so incredibly low. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my history. Yeah, I think actually that's part of what put it on my list of things I wanted to see. Uh, I think you had told me that before that, mm-hmm. that it was your favorite when you were a kid and that mm-hmm. you know you didn't really like it as much uh, upon watching it as an adult. Um, but yeah, it's been on my list for a while just because it seemed like the type of thing I would enjoy. Just like. Um, for sure i thought it was gonna be mm-hmm. i thought it was i thought it was gonna be more intentionally campy i think um whereas it seemed i will i'm sure we'll get into that but it seemed more on the fence of whether they were making a campy movie or not um but uh but yeah, yeah. well where do you want where so, do you want to start yeah well uh let's see i've got i don't really have general notes on the plot but i've got uh just like a list of things that i really liked about it um, I really enjoyed, I, I, to me, I think even if you didn't enjoy the movie that much, you'll probably, uh, get a kick out of like the sets and the costumes and all that kind of stuff. Um, I thought the, I thought it all looked really great and I thought it was really creative, uh, and well realized. And then I went back and I looked at, uh, some of the old comic, <clears throat> some of the old comic strips and the old serials. And I was kind of surprised at how much they had drawn, um, uh, from that. Like it was all, it all looked like it could have pretty well been lifted, you know, from the, uh, the thirties and forties serials. Um, which I don't think is a, a mark against the movie. Uh, but yeah, so it's not like they weren't creative, but they, they did a pretty faithful job in bringing those old serials up to date by the, by 1980s standard. Um, but yeah, to me, that was the standout. That's what I, I liked the most. I do think the story was kind of flawed here and there. It maybe was a little <laughs> slow, uh, pretty confusing. I read about the production of it, and it sounded like it was a uh, pretty troubled production. Uh, and I think you see that in the final product. But I, overall, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, but uh, Kit, it seemed like you didn't quite enjoy it as much. Uh, what did you think? Well, I agree that, like... The, um, I, I, my first note is that it is an interesting mix of competence and incompetence. Yeah. Like, the script is horrible, you know, ostensibly because it was, like, translated from Italian or something by someone who doesn't know or written by someone who doesn't speak English or something weird like that. Yeah. Um, the acting is really not good. Um, but then, like, the production design is so rad and some of the shots are really, I think, pretty cool. Um, it's like, isn't it like DP'd by the dude who did Star Wars? So yeah. um, there are parts, especially when like Timothy Dalton is shooting lasers in the hallway, that it's like, this is exactly fucking Star Wars. <laughs> um, but like all of the co- colors are really cool. Like there's the costumes are really cool. Um, they have the best band of all time doing the music. Um, but then it's like 
such a shitty script and like very badly acted even by like some people who are not bad actors did you think uh max von Sydow was good as ming i think he looks great i don't think he was a very compelling villain i loved the shot of him impaled at the end where it like zooms kind of away from him uh to like reveal that he's been impaled like that was an awesome shot but like yeah he didn't really the person i like the best and who i think is just really underrated in general is timothy dalton yes um yes definitely i love him i think he's i kind of think he's one of the most like underrated actors of like you know I guess this isn't really our lifetime, but you know, he like, yeah. he lo- he's like, looks like a young Olivier. His costume is even, it looks a lot like Olivier's costume from as you like it. Um, he's funny and cool. He's gorgeous. I feel like he understood what movie he was in. Like he played it completely straight, but he didn't come off as an idiot, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I thought he was the best guy in it yeah i thought he was really good so and it makes you like why is he not the star because the guy who plays flash is like he looks great but so he's do you know sucks. how <laughs> sam jones who plays I, flash did you read anything about how he was cast I, yes yes I, I, I didn't tell me so um i think it was dino de Laurentiis's wife uh saw i think it was his mom that's right yes it was his mother-in-law uh or his mom or his mother-in-law i think um but yes, so she saw him on the dating show. Uh, previously, he had only been in the movie Ten uh, with uh, what Dudley Moore. Is that right? Bo Derek. Mm-hmm. Bo Derek. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that had been like his only screen role. And so, based on his appearance uh, on a dating show, he um, he beat Kurt Russell. I guess it sounds like maybe Kurt Russell declined. Kurt Russell didn't want to do it. Yeah. yeah. He then, beat Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Yeah. Schwarzenegger had too thick of an accent. So uh, Dino cast but then him. They, but then I read that all of the lines were dubbed anyway. Yeah. That was really? uh, a lingering mystery. I found multiple articles and webs, like fan yeah, websites. Yeah. It's and hard stuff. to say. Yeah. Trying to figure out who had dubbed. There's a- and like some people said it was like 80% of his lines had been dubbed over and then like 5% had been dubbed over and they couldn't really. Nobody knew who did it. I think he's been dubbed because here's the thing. Before I read that, before I found that out, I wrote in my notes, like, this guy looks good. Like, he's handsome. He looks like 70s or early 80s beefcake. Mm -hmm. But his voice is so high for his body. Like, (laughs) it's strange. And then it's like, and then I read, like, oh, he was, like, all of his lines were dubbed by someone else, which I, yeah. But I know it's hard to suss out what is true because, like, some sources say, like the screen, I read something where the screenwriter was talking about what a huge mistake it was that he made it funny, and I'm like, that's a lie. You didn't make it fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Well, so actually, I'd, I'd like to talk about that. Um, I thought one of the stranger things about how this movie doesn't work, which overall I liked it, but one, I, I wouldn't say that it works well. Uh, but it, I, it, it seemed like. And when I read more about it, it seemed like maybe half of the crew, cast and crew, thought they were making like a campy movie. Yes. And then the other half thought they were trying to play it pretty straight. And it sounds like Dino uh, De Laurentiis was thinking that this was going to be a more straightforward. But then, I mean, he hired mm-hmm. Lorenzo Simple Jr. from, you know, Batman 66 uh, to write yeah. it. So, which I don't think you really go to, you know, Lorenzo Simple Jr. for something not campy uh, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, like, I guess 
Are either of you fans of Batman 66? Like that style of camp? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's not Did this work as for good you in as that, that way? Yeah. No. No. It's not like that move that that show is funny. Yeah. And this is like and it feels intentionally funny too. Like right. it's silly and goofy on purpose and this like maybe they just were divided like some people were trying to make it funny, some people weren't and you just end up with like nothing it's not funny like right. what's well, funny in this <laughs> yeah no i wrote down a few lines too and it oh, was yeah. like what was strange about them were like they weren't said and it's you don't have to like wink at the camera for me to get a joke right but you have to kind right. of like lean on the line in a certain way or give it a little bit of life to make it like a kind of like a campy joke yeah. type of line like in batman the tv series uh but yeah there was i wrote it down Okay, like uh, when uh, Flash is tied up in that room and they let Dale come visit him, um, he said he's like he says to her he's like, "Oh, you look great," and she's like, "It's the eye make it's the eye makeup." I hope I remember the trick when I wake up. But she <laughs> says it very like kind of sedately or just not like there's no yeah and yeah. fat well, yeah. So, well, and there were several lines me, like that. That, that was just, one I had a question about was when they when when they think that it's a dream. Like, why do they think they're having the same dream right. and they can talk about it when they wake up? Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like it's kind of played like it's some like bogey and Bacall kind of like bit they're doing. But they also at the same time seem to genuinely believe that they're going to wake up from this dream, but also yeah. know that they're going to be able to they're having the same. It's so weird. That makes no sense. I yeah. wonder if that's something that just got lost in the multiple drafts. Well, I also loved, um, so for just two more dialogue points, one where, so she's like terrified to fly. So like, imagine you're scared to fly. Your plane experiences catastrophic failure due to a horrifying act of God, like the likes of which has never been seen. (laughs) You crash land into a dude's house and then she gets out and she's like, that's it. No more flying for me. (laughs) (laughs) and she's like laughing and then she says to the guy to topol she says sorry we destroyed your place i'm sure the insurance will pay for it but again like you say it's not really delivered like a joke she's kind of like walking over the wreckage and just like it's barely audible almost like what she's saying and then i loved my favorite part my favorite dialogue was when the princess kisses flash to wake him up or what no I, i he's already awake i don't know um, and she, he says, where am I? And she says, back from the dead, I've saved you. And he says, my God, how? And she says, by magic, of course, with a kiss, because I like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the princess had some of the, fu- like the funnier, like weird lines. Like there was, yeah. a, um, there was a, there's one towards, uh, near the end where Timothy Dalton is, he asks her to marry him and her response is, I don't know. I'll try. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I wrote that down too. It's like uh, really quickly, she goes, gosh, I wrote it down. But yeah, it's basically like, they're like, oh no, they've changed the locks. Well, I've changed too. I've changed too. Will you marry me? I don't know. Like just, they blow through it very quickly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, the movie's, uh, the movie's very strange. Like, uh, you know, I agree. To me, it's like, um, it's, it's, it, it, it there's somebody thought it was a comedy. Somebody really wanted this to be Star Wars, um, mm-hmm. and then and then and then weirdly, the movie feels like a porn with no sex scenes. Like yeah, that, yeah, 
like there's so like I can't believe I never noticed this, but there is so much. It's very horny. It's a very very horny movie. Um, you know, yeah. it's weird too, like because I was thinking about I was thinking about movies like this, and you know, oh, it's in a you know because I was watching it, and there were moments where I was like, this is kind of charming, and this is fun to look at, and all of that. But it's like it was it was really hard for me to say. Like I, I couldn't bring myself to say it was good because. Um, you know, I like to think of things like this, like in the context of like when they were made, like did people sit and watch this in the theater and think this is good? And it's like, no, I don't think that they did. I think that the passage of time has made this more charming. Um, but it's also yeah. insane to me, like, like where did the, like, I, I mean, they had lots of sets and, and things, but like this movie is, it doesn't, I don't know. It, there's something about like, it, like there's so much, stuff that looks like really really cheap um you know like i think some of the costumes look really cool and then some of them look like saran wrap uh well yeah i compared it to like if there was an element that reminded me of like tim burton because like i think that tim burton has that too where there's kind of like a punk rock like we made this ourselves kind of element to it, but it still looks really cool. See, I, I think Tim, and, I think Tim Burton always is on the cool side of, at least in his right. earlier work. Yeah. But I think that this had an element of that where like even the stuff that looks shitty or like Rocky Horror is similar where like in some ways the homemadeness of it adds to it and makes it even more impressive when they're like standing in that hall that set was huge this is a, and this is a huge it looked movie. awesome this is a yeah. it looked great but yeah there's definitely things in there that are like you know then they go to that tree people planet and it's like well this looks arborea yeah arborea, oh, yeah. arborea. Yeah, yeah where they play russian roulette with the trees wow how cool <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so I mean, exciting and cool. Like, yeah, there was like in that weird little like lizard creature thing that just looked so ridiculous. Um, but uh, yeah, it's wait the uh, the the one inside the little tree stump. No, 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 no. It was like the they were like lizard people. Like they had like like mm-hmm. their mouths were open, and that's where the, oh yeah you'd see the person's eyes. It was a a costume that made no sense. Um, yeah, Tim Burton. <laughs> but like the thing that the thing that's crazy to me about oh yeah Tim Burton. Good point. Um, the thing that's crazy about, to me about this movie is that uh, it came out the same year as Empire Strikes Back, um, and Empire Strikes Back. Empire, yeah, I know. Em- and I know. No, the way you say it. What? That's what makes me laugh. Why? You always say Empire Strikes Back. Oh, whatever. <laughs> like for the entire for the like fifteen years I've known you, you always say it that way. <laughs> um. I find uh, conflicting budget information, but like, uh, yeah, but just like Googling it, it says it cost $35 million. I have a hard okay. time believing that, but I do believe, I do believe, uh, I've seen 20, I've seen 27 and I've seen 35 million. I, yeah. I saw 27. Okay. 27. So no matter what, this movie costs more than the empire strikes back. Wow. Oh, wow. Yes. And, That's and, crazy. and, it, and no matter what, it costs almost three times, uh, the cost of Star Wars, the first one, like yeah, jeez, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I saw anywhere between like twenty and forty million because like Starlog, uh, the December nineteen eighty issue where they were talking about like you know trying to hype up the release, mm-hmm. they kept referring to it as like a forty million dollar uh, you know extravaganza. But then mm-hmm. pretty much everything else I saw from like interviews from people that cited like twenty seven uh, million. But yeah, that's crazy. That 
more than Empire Strikes Back. Right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I, I guess you know, money doesn't buy everything, but um, yeah, it it is. I mean, weird. the sets looked awesome, though. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it does look awesome. I think the things that don't look awesome really bum me out because it's like I know that that money went up somebody's nose. Um, yeah. So well, yeah. yeah, it's just it's 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 weird to me. It's weird to me a movie at this time uh, that costs that much money that didn't look that that looks you know like half as good as another movie that cost half as much i mean i, I know that happens yeah. today too but it's just it's it boggles the mind um yeah well so for star wars um i guess one thing i saw uh was that george lucas had actually come to dino de Laurentiis, who mm-hmm. who owned the yep. rights uh to flash gordon mm-hmm. he wanted to make it and then dino said no and uh, so george <laughs> lucas made star wars and then that was such a hit that Dino De Laurentiis oh. is like, hey, we should make a movie out of Flash Gordon. Uh, so, what um, the fuck? That's amazing. Yeah, the other, the other weird thing to me reading about this movie was that, holy shit, did people love Flash Gordon. Yeah. Which, like, like I don't yeah, even like, know what the fuck Flash Gordon is other than this movie, but everyone was obsessed with it. Well, that's one of the things I was reading. They talked about how, like... Uh, basically like superman star wars uh like any number of like superheroes and science fiction things like like almost all of it grew out of flash as you know flash gordon like the comic strip uh Mm -hmm. and then those serials and everything like that but yeah it seems maybe because of this movie it seems to be pretty forgotten i think star wars kind of replaced it maybe Uh, well it came out after star wars no the original the serial and the comic yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Well, and like the look of this is very like I, I kept during during the 1980 Flash Gordon movie, I kept going like, oh, like Arborea looks a lot like Ewok Village, or yeah. you know, the or, swamp uh, looks a lot uh, like Dagobah. Dagobah, yeah. What's that? Yeah, yeah I was agreeing yeah. with you. Yeah, okay, well, there's yeah. and there's Sky City. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Well, well, but here's the thing though: is like Lucas took a lot of Star Wars from Flash Gordon, and so mm-hmm. I think it's still it's it's a weird thing where like. And I'm not saying like stole or you know anything like that, but he basically made his own adaptation of Flash Gordon. Just didn't call it Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. So then this movie looks like it's an imitation of Star Wars, which it is, but like it's also Flash <laughs> Gordon. Like, uh, so yeah. it, was, it was weird because I kept you know, and when I first watched the movie, I kept thinking like this is just like Star Wars. This is just, and then you know, like I don't, yeah, it's this kind of weird little spiral of influence. But even like to the very end well, and scene where they're in that big like chamber in the castle and everybody's applauding for them like that looks exactly like the end of mm-hmm. a new hope well and you can trace uh, you can trace both of them to john carter of mars i mean um mm-hmm. but also you know if, if you guys look at um the concept images like the paintings that uh, ralph mccrory did to help like sell star wars um uh-huh. it looks it looks closer to this I think I think it looks more like this movie and like Flash Gordon than it does like Star Wars. Interesting. But you know, but you know how you how you know for sure that Flash Gordon was also ripping off Star Wars. Hmm. Clytus, what? the guy with the gold mask, yeah. is not in Flash Gordon. <laughs> like that's a oh, created really? character. Yeah. Okay. And he's named General Clytus. He's the Emperor and slash Darth Vader mask wise. Right. But like this whole this like side character that's just kind of like influencing the Darth <laughs> Vader of Flash Gordon is like that something they invented for this movie. Yeah, and it also reminded me a lot of uh, 
like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Totally. Like the cartoon show. Mm-hmm. Totally. Which I think would have been right after this, I'm pretty sure. Like maybe right around the same time. But uh, but yeah, Star Wars really left a mark, man. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's this is just how the industry works. You know, somebody makes something successful and then everybody else wants to remake it. Yeah, and jump back in. He-Man, He-Man came out in, uh, first episode was September 5th, 1983. Okay, so that so maybe well after this. so maybe this so maybe this maybe He Man was copying Flash Gordon. I mean, I think it could have been, and I also think yeah. uh, even through to today, because I know that Flash Gordon has become kind of a cult uh, movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. like this felt closer in some ways to like Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok. Yes, yes, um, yeah, sure, yeah. absolutely. Then. So, yeah, because I, when I first saw Guardians, I was like, oh, you know, it's, it's like a kind of like a funny Star Wars kind of thing, you know, with with Marvel, all that mixed in. Um, and Peter Quill is even I don't think I like realized. basically Flash Gordon anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, OK, well, let's see here. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, all of all of my notes like are are um, are really like lines. right? <laughs> like I'm like. Uh, yeah, my notes are a, like little, just like little things I want to say, but they're not cohesive in any way. Yeah, no, neither, was, neither, neither of mine. Like I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, like I was laughing at like the secret pleasure moon and the galaxy of pleasure. Um, yeah. th- so that's so that's one thing I can kind of talk about a little bit is, and and I'm sorry, but there's going to be a lot of comparing and contrasting to Star Wars because that's all I can sure. think about the whole time. But yeah. like just thinking about um, lore. Uh, and 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 world building and how, you know, you do. I do need to. I don't need to know every little thing. I don't need everything to necessarily make. Like I don't have to have context for everything. But when you're just like dropping things that have like official titles, like my secret pleasure moon and the galaxy of pleasure, things that I feel <laughs> like I should, I should know is like real and think it's important even if i don't know everything about it like i feel like i need to i need to believe it at least like i was i was thinking about i was thinking about stuff like that um and then just like the world building in this movie and then thinking about the world building in like star wars a new hope and how you have like when we first meet obi-wan like he's talking about anakin skywalker and he just casually drops things like you know he fought in the clone wars or whatever and at that time, nobody knew what the fuck yeah. Clone Wars was. I don't even really yeah. believe George Lucas knew what the Clone Wars was. Yeah. But it sounded cool on paper. And, like, just, like, in the delivery and everything, nobody questioned that. Nobody thought, that's a dumb fucking thing to say. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a dumb fucking made-up thing. But just everything in this movie just feels so, like, it just it's it, and I, it just feels paper paper thin, I guess. And yeah. I mean, I know it's kind of campy, so it's sort of okay, but then it's also kind of not campy, so I feel like it's worth kind of pulling apart a little bit. Yeah, well, and it's frustrating because it's like, I really, I mean, kind of like some of the other movies we watched, like uh, Legend, I kind of felt I felt this way. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's so close. Like, they had all the elements to make something really mm-hmm. great. Definitely. Um, and it just, you know, I guess it was there was lots of miscommunication between the Americans and the Italians and... Um, the production was just very troubled and lots of money was wasted. Um, but yeah, like it just, it seems like this could have been, and forgive me, it seems like this could have been better than Star Wars, like maybe more fun or 
uh, at least as good as Star Wars because Star Wars plays it more straight. And I well, feel it like could have been it could have been more differentiated. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I agree. From Star Wars. Yeah, which would have been great. Like, yeah, because uh, because Star Wars is is you know kind of desaturated and and and, and kind of grimy. And, you mm-hmm. know, everything just looks really worn. And in this world, everything is, like, shiny and brand new. And, yeah. and you know, like, all of the, the lights are, like, blooming. And um, so, I mean, there's there's definitely, like, you know, I feel like the visual affinity is, is, more, is more in, like, the designs of some things. But I feel like this movie, like, like I, this movie, I don't think in any way is, is grounded. I, in the way that Star Wars is, and I think that yeah. that's that's okay. They should have maybe even tugged on those threads more, um, but uh, yeah, like even like uh, like some of the character designs are like insane, and it's fun it's fun to look at. Um, but yeah, I feel like if 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 the script was just like coherent and better, and yeah. the actors' lines made sense, I mean that's the thing. It's insane. It's insane to me that this movie cost this much money. And yeah. and and was and they were mm-hmm. they were allowed to have scenes where somebody says, "Will you marry me?" And the response is, "I don't know. I'll try." And then they said, "Yeah, that's the take. Cut yeah. and print." I think I think it's because of what of how I I think it cost that much because of how fucked up the production was. Yeah, like how Very incompetent Dina De Laurentiis is. Yeah, so it's like Star Wars was made by people who knew how to make a movie. And this was made by people who don't know how to make a movie. And so it took way well, more money to make a okay. much worse film. Here's the thing, though. I went through a lot of people's Wikipedias and their IMDb's and stuff. This is another thing that's perplexing to me about this movie. So the director did Get Carter. He oh did uh, The Omen 2, which, you know, whatever. Uh, but he also did uh, Croupier with uh, Clive Owen. <laughs> yep. um, so not an incompetent director. The cinematographer, who you mentioned earlier, he did Star Wars. He did Doctor Strangelove. Yeah. He did Repulsion. Yeah. Um, um, yes. But I'm like, blaming oh, the producer. Yes. No, and I think I think that's basically the writer and the producer. I think it all comes down to that. But, like, yeah. that he The he person knew who enough, said, uh, let's cast a guy like, from the enough. dating game that my mom likes. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, I usually kind of get excited when I see Dino De Laurentiis in the, in the credits of something like, um, especially in the eighties, yeah. you know, he did, you know, Dune, I think was another mess, but he did like blue velvet. Um, he did Conan, um, lots of like really fantastic kind of, you know, you know not blue, blue velvet is no fantasy, but just like, you know, uh, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was just, mm-hmm. I mean, like I, lots of, I, I don't know if cocaine was a factor or if it was just lots of bad decisions or. Okay. Uh, and, I just want to call out to Lorenzo Semple Jr. also wrote Three Days of the Condor, um, Papillon, which is mm-hmm. one, like my second favorite uh, Steve McQueen movie, Never Say Never Again, um, King Kong, the 76 version, which is, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. But this dude, this dude has written like legit, like legit really good movies, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, and, yeah. And Batman. I love Batman. Well, I know, I know, I know, like Bat- Batman, mm-hmm. but I mean, like, 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 good and like, like serious movies. Um, not right, that, yeah. not that you can't make something campy and make it seriously campy. Uh, but um, yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Bat- Batman. It's just so different from Batman sixty six. Um, some of the stuff that he's done. So, yeah, know, that's weird. When he was he was working off of a script by uh, Michael Allen, who he did Enter the Dragon, yeah. Truck Turner, and then uh, also I'll Be Home for Christmas, the nineteen ninety eight Jonathan Taylor Thomas film. Holy um, shit! Oh hell yeah! <laughs> oh man! But originally, so after after you know, Lucas had approached De Laurentiis, and then De Laurentiis said no. Uh, they decided to do Flash Gordon, but uh, De Laurentiis got uh, Nicholas Rogue, and he wanted him to do um, Flash Gordon. And oh so it, it sounded like he spent like two years, uh, Nicholas Rogue working with Michael Allen, and they made something much more similar to like the man who fell to earth than what we see in this version of Flash Gordon. And after two years, uh, De Laurentiis like looked at what they'd done and was like, no, nah, I'm not really into it. And so they both left the project and then Lorenzo Semple Jr. came in to kind of, you know, I don't know, fix it or work it more to what De Laurentiis had in mind. Um, so, yeah, that's maybe another uh, sign on the way to, to what we ended up with. Um, also that like De Laurentiis looked at what is, I think, in our inarguably the most competent part of the movie, which is the music that Queen did like particularly the theme is great and maybe arguably the most well-known thing from this movie i think possibly yeah um and he didn't want to use that (laughs) like he was like no this is not the theme to my movie he didn't like queen originally no and like he had never heard of them and then when they did the music he was like this is great music but this is not for my movie but then he had to use it because the production was so fucked up that he didn't have time to get someone else to do music so (laughs) that's why that's in there and it's like the best part of the whole fucking thing (laughs) and the most like professional part of the whole thing wow and queen and queen because you asked me to look into the music a little bit yeah queen were recording the game of one of their best maybe their best album while they were doing this and they were embarking on american tour like they had no fucking time at Jeez. all to work on this. They all wrote songs for it separately, in part because that was the only way to get the like, the amount of work done in time. Um, and they like, yeah. So they they busted their asses to like to make this, and it's still super good. It's still not my favorite Queen soundtrack. I think "Princes of the Universe" from Highlander is like one of my favorite songs of all time. Yes. Um, but yeah, they like <laughs> they had a lot going on. Oh, also one little bit of trivia that I got from my music research was that John Lennon was shot the day this movie was released. <laughs> oh. Oh. The day the music died. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's amazing. Crazy. Queen were playing a show that night and I'm sure they were excited that the that the movie was premiering and yeah. they were playing a show and they were they were like were real they really really wanted to do a soundtrack and then they did, they played Imagine at the show that night I was watching that before this started oh uh, yeah um but yeah they must have been that must have been very sad for them that's crazy um well so yeah so I had, I hadn't I hadn't looked too much in the music myself uh because I know that you're such a big Queen fan but like where does the soundtrack in your opinion like fall with is this pretty much like the style they were doing at the time? Like, uh, or is this like sillier or is this like, I don't know, more operatic or. I think it sounds the thing that is the biggest evolution for queen is that they were using synths and that was something they hadn't okay. done very much before, but they like really embraced. it. had like an Ober Oberheim synth that they used on this, but okay. overall I think it totally fits with their, 
with the rest of their oeuvre and in fact like around the time that you know like they were touring they would play songs from this and the audience fucking loved it um there's also in the like in the extended i've been listening to the soundtrack a lot recently because for cody's bachelor party we played D &D, and i made a mix that and i and for that i just looked at like um music from fantasy films so i was listening to this a lot and there's a really that the song that plays when the princess kisses uh flash there's an early version of that that ha- it's like a demo and it's got like freddie's voice layered and everything and i love it so much so like if you guys want to look up the early version of the kiss um it's super awesome and okay. it sounds it's like you would never you wouldn't listen to it and go oh this is queen doing a soundtrack you'd just be like oh here's a queen outtake the, the actually i think one of the first things i heard about this movie was the flash gordon theme song i think somebody covered queen's version mm-hmm. broke the covered the queen song and then i went back and listened to the queen one um our, yeah that seems to be its most enduring legacy our um our mutual friend brandon um has on many of he loves it he loves this he loves the queen soundtrack uh to flash gordon mm-hmm. but has yeah. never seen the movie uh i think that's fine i think that oh <laughs> you might... for sure it's mm-hmm. fine yeah, yeah it's probably a good choice possibly although <laughs> since we brought up the music um, yeah my f- absolute favorite scene in this movie that i actually i think i think it works incredibly well you know the rest of the movie aside um when uh what's his name like voltan or something the hawk guy or the guy with the the wings yep when all of his men are like i talked to andrew about this like a week ago or something when they all dive bomb like the fortress uh king king ming's fortress or whatever uh and the the battle theme kicks up that it it's it works Mm -hmm. so well like it's so energetic and like like, but i think without the music it would be probably clunky like a lot of the rest of the movie but yeah. just with the music, it's incredible. Like, I absolutely love that scene. Also, like, this album was, I think it's the whole album, not just the single. The album was, like, number one in Austria, number two in Germany. It was, like, top, t- Flash was a top ten single in the UK. Yeah. Um, I, the, it was number, the, the album was, like, 42 on the Billboard Hot 100, with, which for, like, a weird fucking soundtrack from a movie no one saw yeah. is pretty good. Is it mostly instrumental? Yes. There's only two songs that have like proper words to them. Okay. And then they're I, kind yeah, of like I know going, the one oh, I listen to. And some other shit. Yeah. There's like clips from the movie and stuff. Have you heard Princes of the Universe, Mike? I don't think so. I've never seen Highlander. Ugh. Okay. I know. You, need, you have to listen to it. Okay. You have to listen to that song. I don't care if you see Highlander, but listen to that song. It's so good. I listened to it before Gladly. job interviews. I care. Yeah. <laughs> I care. I really would. I would like. I would like walk in. Walk into the building like listening to this song. It's the and it best. Worked. It's the only song you need. Really, you really only need this song if you if, like. If you need one song for the rest of your life. Let's see here. We've got. Uh, yeah, most of what I most of the rest of my notes are just things I liked. So if you'll humor me, I will uh, read yep. through some of that. And then if you guys have any of your own, we mm-hmm. could share that. Um, I really liked, it seemed like there yeah. were a couple of moments that would qualify as like kinder trauma, which is something like uh, you, you see it in a kid's movie when you're a kid and it traumatizes you. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, like when the, the cyborg, <laughs> those like, you know, like Ming had like his henchmen that were like on the computers, like surveilling everybody. Yes. Uh, and he pulls his guy, uh, he pulls his goggles off and it's like, you know, 
Uh, I think it's like his eyes pop out or something like that, or yes. it's just like no, it's um, yeah, it's 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 no, he has no eyes. There's wires. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. And, and, and then I, it's when they're on the they're on that disc is when uh, Clytus's eyes like bulge out or something. And right? his tongue and his tongue swells up and pops out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. tell you. I can tell you as a as a child who did watch this movie that it yeah. was absolutely scarring. Yeah. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I like how they threw that in there because mm-hmm. it, it seemed like. It didn't really fit into the rest of the movie. So it's like, you know, they were just trying to freak out some little kids. Mission accomplished. Um, I really liked uh, at the end um, when, uh, so, you know, Ming is trying to marry Dale. And then you see like these little planes fly by in the background. And it says like, uh, they have these banners after him to say (laughs) like, all creatures will make merry under the pain of death. enjoyed that i really liked uh after pretty much you know ming's been impaled on the ship and every the the day is saved you know earth has been spared from having the moon crash into it and uh, that little like floating camera weapon thing flies in and tells him like you know the day is saved you did it and flash just jumps up and goes yay freeze frame to, like yeah one of my favorite parts of the movie is when they're going through and doing ming's vows and which which amount to yeah. which amount to basically like <laughs> do you take this woman to be your fuck toy until you get bored? Uh, yeah, for like the next hour, like don't yeah. kill her until you're bored with her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also I like that because I felt like it was like you know it wasn't like there was a lot of character for mm-hmm. anybody in this movie. No, but I did sort of like how they just Ming was just kind of like I'm just bored. Let's mess with Earth. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, I, I want to marry her, but well, no, because they do try to give some sort of explanation. Like, basically, the reason Ming is like, he tells Zarkov before he, quote unquote, wipes his memory, um, that the reason he was fucking with Earth is because he detected like technology that could be like a threat to him, and that's what he does. Like, he goes around fucking with planets to see if anybody can step to him. Uh, because right. his whole thing is to keep people like yeah. under his rule, and so basically, the, it's this kind of a horrifying moment. Like, uh, is that the reason that he attacks Earth is because he detected the technology that Zarkov yeah. had developed to protect the Earth against a threat like Ming? Yeah, We're like right, right before he's like wiping his brain or whatever. Yeah, but I thought that was a yeah. really, I thought that was a really cool little like moment that was kind of fucked up. But, but even in that moment, they kind of point to his ambivalence about everything because like, I think Zarkov yeah. is like, you're just telling me this to torture me. He's like, yep, pretty much. And then he just kind of walks off. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. But, but I mean, yeah, he had some motive though. You're right. Like that was in there, but I just, he's still, he's just kind of like, he's just evil. He's just a mean person. He is. He's really not even that into it. He, he's like <laughs> kind of wishy-washy. Well, I think, I think Max von Sydow was just not that into it. Yeah, I don't know. It sounded like he was actually fairly enthusiastic. Like he had watched uh, the serials as a boy, or maybe he liked the comics or something. Um, but he talked about how he was just like he was excited to be part of the movie, and I oh, I doubt oh, that he nice. like feels it ranks among his best work. But <laughs> then one of the other things I had on my list that I liked was when he's in the swamp, uh, kind of on that tree planet or Arborea. Um, he gets like caught in the quicksand or the mud and then he gets out and then like immediately he lands on like that big balloon creature monster that like it just starts inflating and like wrapping these big insect legs around him. Yep. Um, yeah. Like the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, I think we've mentioned, I like, you know, the set design, like the, uh, when they're first traveling, I guess they're traveling through space or maybe like through a wormhole, but there's all those like psychedelic clouds. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the clouds were cool. They were really cool. Yeah. I thought that was neat. Although knowing that that movie costs more than empire strikes back kind of puts that into a different perspective. <laughs> you also have not What's mentioned that? hot. You have not mentioned hot hail yet. So I'm waiting for that. Oh, at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, you know, it, speaking of the beginning, it is insane how much story they cram into the first, like four and a half minutes of the movie. Truly. Yes. It moves like <laughs> lightning speed. Absolutely. Which is crazy because then the last, you know, 45 minutes feel, I think. Yeah. Then it's it really gets, boring. It, it gets really boring. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty uneven. I also think it's so fucking convoluted how they get him to space. Like, wouldn't you think if a guy, if a, mo- a movie you know is about a guy from Earth going to space, that the plane crash would be how he gets there? Absolutely. Like, he's on a plane and some weird fucking crazy space shit starts to happen. Like, oh, and suddenly he's in space. Like, no, he crashes. Then he gets on another fucking spaceship. Yeah. And these people are so chill about going to space. (laughs) All right. I'll write this right now. Like, uh, they're on a plane and Zarkov happens to be on the plane and he hijacks it and they yeah, fly exactly. into some sort of vortex that shows up in the sky and that's how they yeah. get there. Yeah, it is, it is <laughs> Yeah, and it they're is just they're just collateral. Yeah. Or like uh Ming sucks them into his ship because he knew that Zarkov was on this plane and he wanted to get him and then Flash yeah. and Dale end up there too. I love that the name work. Dale. That would work way better. It's really cool. One thing I was curious about. Well, no. Okay. First, uh the the spinning disc scene where they're, he's battling um, mm-hmm. uh, what's it Clytus on the on the disc. Uh, so yeah. I read. Well, he's spinning Bart, Timothy Dalton, and then Clytus. Yeah. Okay, so when he's when he's on the disc with the, like the spikes sticking up, um, there was an interview that Sam Jones did with Maxim in 2015, and this is a little bit long, but I thought it was very amusing, and so I'll try to read through it real quick. Um, so according to Sam Jones. Uh, what took up a lot of the rehearsal time would be trying to stay injury free during the fight scene on the rotating disc. We had quite a few falls off of that falls of 30 feet. We'd fall onto boxes that were stacked up. It actually worked really well, but there were a lot of small injuries and, you know, not wanting to get hit in the eye with a bullwhip and things of that nature. I think it worked out well. The disc was (laughs) elevated 25 to 30 feet, but from the audience's (laughs) point of view, it looked like we were standing above a bottomless void. We lost our balance and fell quite a bit. Uh, when you fall into boxes, they they kind of grab you and protect your fall, but you do get to the uh, but you do get the edges of the boxes that lead to bruises. We rehearsed it for weeks, and it just sort of evolved as a work in progress. We had three technicians sitting at a table with hydraulic buttons, pushing buttons while the director was giving commands. They were trying to match our timing with the knobs, those little spikes that kept sticking up. The spikes were rubber tipped, but the shaft uh, were the spikes were rubber tipped but the shaft they were attached to was metal. A lot of the timing, it had to be synchronized perfectly. If it wasn't, then bits <laughs> of metal would dig into us. It happened a few times. So <laughs> to me, that doesn't sound like a production uh, that costs you know, more than Empire Strikes Back, for no. example. And yet. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I also read that there, about that scene uh-huh. that there was silver paint that would rub off on them, and so then they'd yes. have to like... <laughs> clean the silver paint off themselves between every take. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's 
That's how they do it in Italy. I just, I don't understand. Why go to Italy to shoot a cheaper movie and then spend more? I really, I, I would, I would be curious to read more about Dino De Laurentiis productions. Of well, that it's era. crazy because I'm looking at his, I mean, his, his, his filmography is all over the place, but yeah. the dude produced like, like stone cold classics. Yeah. <laughs> like he produced La Strada. He produced the Great Train Robbery, uh, you know, Manhunter, Blue Velvet, Army of Darkness. I mean, that's more in the the Flash Gordon realm, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird, man. But I also got the impression that there was just a lot of funny like financial business going on because a lot of the movies he made, whether they were good or bad, they didn't really make a lot of profit. And so I kind of wanted to look into that. I didn't really have time to do it before today, but oh, I'm sure um, there's some theories. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Maybe he was. Uh, maybe they were all uh, like money laundering operations or something. That's yeah. That's kind of what I wondered because you know, Italy, 1980. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, the uh, speaking of Italy though, uh, another credit that I wanted to to uh, list off, I guess. Um, so the production designer, set designer, and the costume designer was uh, Danilo Donati. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet, oh, um, wow. Pasolini's Decameron and, uh, Salo, which is our second film to be directly connected to Salo. Uh, that's, uh, Dante Ferretti did interview with the vampire. He also did the production design for Salo. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Donati also did Caligula, Red Sanja, and several Fellini films like <laughs> Satyricon and Casanova. That's so... Uh, that's so interesting because I kept thinking the whole time that Brian Blessed looked like a 1950s Roman guy, like a la Caligula. Yes. Like his kind of well, tan and his weird eyebrows and everything. He looked so like 50s Roman guy. Yeah. Like, and even his beard, like just that like thick, stiff kind of beard. Yeah. And I partially probably, maybe, yeah. I don't know if he was dubbed or not, but yeah, he seemed like somebody in like a Mario Bava movie where it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was very like it was just very Greco-Roman, weirdly. But yeah, there's really I mean there's a tr- tremendous amount of talent uh, working on this movie. It's just didn't quite. Uh, yeah. Well, along those lines, I have a couple of trivia pieces, if I may. Okay, go ahead. Sure. Um, okay, so two questions. One: How many Harry Potter actors are in this movie? Robbie Coltrane. I knew that. Yes. And oh God, give me a second. Let me think. I mean, maybe there, maybe there's more, but these are the two that I know of. Uh, is it is it the guy who played um, the 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 lead Hawkman? Because he was Dennis. My my wife actually like no. she was like, oh, I know that guy. Like she's like barely paying attention to this movie that I'm watching. And she's, Brian Blessed. That's Brian Blessed. Okay, she like knows. I I, yeah. I, yeah. I did not know who that man was, but apparently he's a, a very famous Shakespearean actor, um, and he was great. Oh, okay. I liked him. He was super fun to watch. Yeah, I thought he was good. Um, so that was that's my guess. <laughs> okay, no, Mike, do you have a guess? You'll never get it. I don't. <laughs> you said you said there were two. Yes, Robbie Coltrane is working on the or working on the plane at the beginning, and then the other one is Prince Thune, the guy who is told to throw himself on his sword. Oh. is Kingsley Shacklebolt. Oh. Oh um, yeah. yeah! Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Nice. <laughs> well, at first, you know, why I looked it up. Maybe this is racist of me, but I, I saw him and I was like, dude, I so recognize that guy. And the first thing that popped into my head was that it was the dad from Keenan and Kel, because they both, both those actors have those kind of bulging, mm-hmm. 
eyes. Yeah. Um, and so I looked it up for that reason to be like, is that the guy from Keenan Callen? I was like, no, it's Kingsley. Um, okay, how many Star Wars actors are in this movie? Ooh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I can't think of any. You can't think of any? There's one no, very no. obvious one. Who? Yeah, who? Well, Max von Sydow. Oh right, he's in yeah, Star he's Wars? in. He's in. Yeah, he's in like 30 seconds of the Force Awakens. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's cheating. Uh, Brian Brian Blessed is in Star Wars in who? the one of the prequels, I think. Who does he play? You have to tell I'm us. Trying to, now I'm trying. He plays. I'm trying. He plays. Um, Boss Nass. Oh, uh, yeah. Boss Nass is the. He's the leader of the Gungans. Okay. So good. Good role. In in one of the '90s movies. No, the in, so the, in the, la- the prequels. Yeah. Yeah, in the prequels, the, okay. he's Jar Jar's boss. Um, okay. The one that I'm most. <laughs> Man, how could I have forgotten about, either of those roles? The one that I'm most. <laughs> The, the one that I'm most excited about is, and I'm so proud to have scooped Andrew on this, so I'll give you a hint. He is wearing almost exactly the same costume, and you already brought him up. Uh, almost the same outfit. It's not the guy that played Zarkov, is it? No. Is played it? who? No, no, no. Zarkov? That is Tevia from, Top, from Top, uh, yeah, Top uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, yeah okay. <clears throat> is it Ornella? What was her name? Ornella Muti? No, no. Whew. It's a guy. That lady, I gotta say, pretty good looking in this film. For all the for I all the films. I thought that flaws. the main girl. I thought that Dale was cuter. They dyed her hair brown, so I know you wouldn't wouldn't look twice at her. But I'd say she. she was, I thought she was had a prettier face. She was cuter, but I would definitely. I know whose pleasure moon that I would go to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying. Okay. Lobot is in this movie. Who's who the fuck Lobot? is Lobot? Okay, what <laughs> what? Lobot. What? But instead of tech on his ears, it's on his eyes. Who's Lobot? Is What's that a Lobot? name? What, are you, what are you saying? <laughs> you guys don't know who Lobot is? How in the fuck in do Star I Wars? know Lobot and you don't Yes! What? Kid, I haven't seen a Star Wars movie since The Force Awakens came out. And first, and, and also, that is an insane statement. Th- I, how do you? How do I know who Lobot is? And you, do, and you don't easily. Nobody. What it's, is, a, it's a Star. No. It's a Star Wars thing. Oh my God! I'm gonna shame Brandon. Will be like Brandon. Will be ashamed. You don't know Lobot. He's he's fucking lando's dude who has like the things over his ears oh, the bald guy with the shit okay. over his ears and then in this movie he's got shit over his eyes <laughs> cool great okay <laughs> like that I... looks identical you yeah. guys oh, suck okay, okay. lobot i yeah, thought you yeah. were saying lobot <laughs> okay yeah. he looks like he looks like patrick stewart but instead of having hair a hair ring he has like a, a rope like a computer ring uh yeah. around his around his head all right yeah <laughs> Great, cool, good, good job. You got, you got us. Oh, uh, uh, you suck. You ruined my trivia. Uh, it was great. Uh, well, <laughs> that was a good round of trivia. That was. That was really good. Uh, yeah. I think I won, didn't I, Kit? Yeah. Kit? Okay, thanks. I think that's fine. All right. All right. Well, let's we see also, here. We also. I can't believe we haven't talked about the ending though. Where the where the gloved hand grabs the ring. Oh yeah, there was no. To me, the freeze when he says. Yeah, and jumps toward camera, and then it freezes, and then the movie keeps going, and then the end question mark. 
Yeah, they're supposed to be sequels. Yeah. So I know, but that's just such a cliche Um, of a like that's like a Simpsons bit to end a movie that way. Yeah. Well, but I think that element might be in line with some of the campiness. By the time we get to that point, like this is the 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 least of this prop this movie's problems in my mind. Yeah. No, I thought Um, it to me that was approaching like um the cobbler in a way where it was like are you fucking serious wow (laughs) so apparently uh the movie didn't like bomb terribly but uh yes it did they yes it did no no it made about it about made made its money back i mean depending on what the actual budget was it about made its money back what i'm sorry what do you what do you have for for the money that it made back Uh, i thought it was around like 27 maybe i'm mixing it up with the budget well see i see I see. <laughs> this is this is what Wikipedia says. So okay. So either it either it made twenty seven million dollars, and it, so it which if it cost twenty seven million dollars, um, that's great. It made exactly its production budget, not its marketing budget. Um, right. So it still lost money, or it made fifteen point four million dollars and definitely lost a lot of money. Well, I think it was that it made, uh, I think when you combined like the UK and the US grosses that it made about okay, 30, gonna... like 27 to 30 million, I think. But that was all very fuzzy, which was interesting because usually we know everything about the box office this day and age. Yeah. Um, but if I make a yeah. movie for $10 million and my movie makes $10 million, that's not, that's a, that's a, that's still a bomb, I think. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a success, but I don't know. Like a bomb, I think you gotta like, you know, really, like, you know, know, like Cutthroat Island or like. Uh, I don't, either way, it, it it didn't do well, but uh, but I think part of you know why there were no sequels, aside from the fact that the movie was bad and uh, you know it didn't make a lot of money, if anything, um, that I guess uh, Sam Jones like. They, they took a break from shooting for Christmas, and then when they came back, they were supposed to shoot a lot mm-hmm. of the second unit stuff, and he just never returned. He just went back to Los Angeles and didn't come back. <laughs> what? Well, apparently, uh, De- yeah. like, there was like a lawsuit between him and De Laurentiis uh, where he wasn't getting paid. Oh, um, fuck. Like, they said he owed him, they owed him like $60,000 or something like this, and so he just walked. He basically, you know, went on strike or whatever. Uh so that, you know, basically led to a lot of bad blood between Jones and De Laurentiis. So Sam Jones didn't do promotion for the film. And then he said in one of the interviews I read, he said he wanted to do a sequel. Like he wished he would, could have done a sequel. But it sounds like, you know, relationships were so soured uh, between the producer and, you know, Flash Gordon that uh, that kind of made that extra impossible. So I thought I that mean, was interesting. I mean, good for him that he walked off because like dude dude has not had like uh like it's not like he was a big star at the time maybe maybe he had an ego i don't know but like just looking at his career like it's i don't know like if i'm if i'm tom cruise and somebody's not paying me like yeah i'm walking off and that's fine but like if i'm i don't know I, I think well, I think I'd probably suck it up if I was a guy from the dating game. Yeah, right. I'd probably Actually, be like, well, I, uh, I'm in a movie. I better stay here. I did. I did prepare a little summary of uh, Sam Jones's career. Okay. Um, if you'll uh, bear with me as I, I read in a monotone <laughs> again. Uh, so it said uh, Jones is a uh, yeah, Jones is a former Marine who tried out for the Seattle Seahawks football team, uh, but didn't make it. So he started modeling. 
Uh, he has a full frontal Playgirl spread in June of 1975. Um, his first film I'm appearance was 10. Up. Yeah, let's see. I want to know. Yeah. All right. While Kit works on the uh, sausage, sausage rankings, um, I will say that after Flash Gordon, or he did a lot of his uh, own stunts on Flash Gordon, and he did a lot of TV afterward. Uh, but some of his other film credits include uh, My Chauffeur, oh, White Force. Oh, there's his penis. Wait, wait. Let's get to the sausage rankings in a minute. I got, I got a good bit here. So some of his other okay. film credits include My Chauffeur, White Force, Driving Force, One Man Force, and Maximum Force. Um, <laughs> but yes, but yeah. Then I wrote there was a little bit there was a dispute between him and uh, his management and De Laurentiis, and so yeah, he left. Uh, he left before post production, so his dialogue got dubbed. Currently, he does private security work in high risk env- environments, uh, primarily Mexico. But wow. now we go live to Kit with a, a review of his penis. Um, well, I'm not really. It's uh, it's big. Yeah, I'm not really. Uh, to me, it's more that like the pictures are very beautiful. I think he's oh, he very beautiful. It's got a, and there, it's got a lot of there's pubes. some good pictures. Like there's, it's not like the worst photography in the world. I mean, it's not great, but he looks better than I would have imagined. Like a Playgirl spread would look. Yeah. You know, I've never looked at Playgirl. And before. I feel like this was from more than one spread because there are a lot of pictures of his penis. There's a lot. There's yeah. tr- truly very, oh, quite quite a, a, a bit. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. I, I, I like kid. Do you see this? Do you see this one where uh, where he's like he's 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 laying? It's it, it, he's looking at camera and he's like on a lawn chair, but his arms are crossed, like he's mad. Uh huh. And then there's just like his yeah. his penis in the fork. It's like his dick, and then just him like frowning, <laughs> almost. I like the one where he's in the lawn chair. It's in profile, yep. and like one of his legs is stretched out, and one is up, one knee is up. He looks great. Yeah, that's a good. That's a nice picture. That's a good one. That's a good one. I that's have a question. Tasteful. He looks pretty. He looks David Cassidy-ish. I, I like I said, I haven't really looked at Playgirl before. So is he erect in these pictures, or is he flat? Fully. He's fully erect. No. He's got a. He's got a monster boner really no he doesn't full on no. it looks like possibly it's partial okay like nah, a little chubbed up it's not partial well maybe it is what do you say i mean it's flaccid well it, i guess maybe <laughs> maybe there's a partial see i'm saying because it's fairly large for a flaccid penis yeah hey some people have got big but it is laying dogs. down yeah i don't know <laughs> i just feel like if it was if we're talking partial chub I feel like we would, even if it was laying down, I feel like we'd get a little, maybe, okay, here's what I'll say. Maybe he had a boner and, and these, and these. Yeah. And, maybe he just came. And, and yeah. Okay. And maybe that's why he's upset in that one photo. Um, yeah. <laughs> he was, he was saving that. Um, We're going to have to wait a couple hours. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, th- so that I could see. I, I would not say there's, this was like leading into a boner it was leading out of a boner all right there's one where he's like getting out of a truck naked Ooh, and that that's just weird i assume it's a truck you can't that's really not, see the cr- truck it's a tight frame that's but not it's just what like, you uh, fantasize about i think it's strange because like men are so vulnerable when they're naked for sure and like <laughs> to have a guy like stepping out of a truck like like when he's by a pool in a lawn chair you're like okay yeah sure but when he's like getting out of a car, it's like, why would you be naked for that? <laughs> he had to, he had to go somewhere in a really big hurry. Oh, apparently, I'm seeing from this Google image search that he reprised the role of Flash Gordon in Ted Two. 
Yeah, uh, that yeah. was one of my one of my questions. Yeah, I had. he's in he's uh, in Ted seen and Ted too. Oh, okay. okay. So have you seen Ted? I haven't seen either of them. No, I okay. have not seen Ted. Yet. Let's none of us ever see Ted. I've, I've seen Ted. Oh, it's I, too oh, late, Kit. I own Ted. What the hell? Yeah, I like the first Ted. It's funny. Um, Kit, right. Kit, this is the guy that made us watch every Adam Sandler film. Remember? Yeah, Remember? He tricked us. Because he was like, <laughs> Pixels is pretty good. Yeah, that that's what happened. I'm the one who said that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Flash Gordon is a huge... I think Flash Gordon is popular today partially because of Ted. Yeah, I, I I didn't realize that, but when I looked it up, I think you're, I think you're right. I think that kind of gave it a revival, mm-hmm. uh, at least apparently, as a cult item. Apparently, when he was in Playgirl, he said his name was Andrew Cooper the Third. Yeah, that's a really good fake name. Huh. <laughs> Isn't he Sam Jones, like the Third or something? Yeah. Sam or Junior? Yeah, he's Sam 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 Gerald Jones, and he goes by Sam J Jones, which is a cool name. I just came across some weird trivia. Let's hear it. Um, so. Timothy Dalton had a child, a son, with Oksana Grigorieva. Yeah, I just saw that. I.e. <laughs> yeah. The woman that Mel Gibson assaulted and had, and he had to pay her son. Allegedly. He had to. It's on <laughs> fucking tape. He had to pay. He had to pay the son, Timothy Dalton's son, money too, because he was Whoa. witness to really the assault. Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. You know what? He looks a little bit. Tom Cruise-ish. I'll, I'll show you guys a picture. <laughs> nice. Hey, you know what that brings us into? Our Tom yes. Cruise minute. Oh, thank mm-hmm. God. Well, I just did mine. Oh, whatever. Okay. That, uh, that Timothy yours. Dalton's son <laughs> looks like Tom Cruise. <laughs> um, I have my... I actually have something. Um, okay. So the director of photography on this film was uh, Gilbert Taylor. And he also did... Uh, he was the director of photography on Curtis Hansen's Losing It, which was one of Tom Cruise's very first films. It's not a very good movie. Cool. Yeah. Andrew, Give Tom me. Cruise Minute. I decided while you guys were doing that to, um, to, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just Google Tom Cruise and Flash Gordon and see what happens. Um, and at first I thought I found something really cool, like maybe, oh, they were going to make a movie with Tom Cruise at one point. But mm-hmm. it just took me to some weird Scientology thing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's my that's my Tom Cruise minute okay. sorry mm-hmm. everyone what okay. character would you have tom cruise play in Ooh, this? great question i would have tom cruise uh play timothy dalton's character i think i would have him play brian blessed's character mm. Ooh, i think that either of those i think would be good i don't want him to play brian blessed's character because i want brian blessed to play brian blessed's character what if okay. he played flash gordon yeah no. no i don't think no. so smart yeah yeah okay all right, fine. Like who should play? T- but how, okay, but who should play Flash Gordon? I think that's a good, good question because it sh- definitely shouldn't be Sam J. Jones. Kurt Russell, I think, would have been great. Kurt Russell is like yeah. yeah Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell is Flash Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kurt Rus- yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, Chris Pratt is is obvious, and um, yeah, that would be yeah, fine. Saying. Guardians. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. Kurt Russell, I think that's a good one. Cool, we did it. We have recast this movie it's just what we set out to do (laughs) this was a hard one to talk about i think just because it was i mean i mean last week was i think was uh a a better just it was a better conversation a better probably gonna be a better episode um yeah just it just felt like that was that you know and it's not that it's not that good movies are automatically easier to talk about than bad movies because you know 
bad movies can be very, very easy to talk about. But this one's in such a weird space where it's like I don't quite know how to discuss it because it's a movie that doesn't really know what it is. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. so It's hard uh, to find an angle. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think maybe we should just kind of like, you know, wrap up with like our – just kind of final like how we feel about this movie sort of thoughts how do you how do you think okay well i'll just start off and and i will say that um i don't like this movie i don't think it's very good i think it's cool looking in in some spots i think it's really not that cool looking in a lot of other spots um i think it i think you know kit mentioned before we started recording that she watch this with the sound sound off and i think outside of the queen soundtrack that is like absolutely the way to watch it like have it projected in the mm-hmm. background at a bar or whatever like that's yeah. that's yeah. cool like there's really cool imagery here but um but but i think it's like really bad i think it's really painfully bad i think the script is horrible and 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 just so that it's not fun enough to be like I don't really buy into the so so bad it's good thing that much um, anyway, but just like I don't think this, I don't think this falls under that anyway, right? Like I think it's it's yeah, it's 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 attempts at being earnest kind of undercut that, um, and it's not completely earnest. Like if it's if it was like if it was totally totally trying to do the thing that it was trying to do, and then it was like super fucking bad or something, then like the room or something, like I could see there being that audience for it but it doesn't really right. fit that bill um yeah so uh i don't like this movie that's how i feel about it <laughs> all right kit um what were your what, what would your closing thoughts on this film be um yeah i think the best thing about it is the queen soundtrack i do i appreciate the aesthetic of it a lot and i like looking at it and i like um yeah i think if you were at like a party and like just had this on in the background it helps you feel cool but watching it is not very fun yeah you know on that note though i would i would really like to see it with an audience especially if it's like an enthusiastic audience um yeah you know the cult fans or whatever sure um i feel like that would make it a lot more fun but i was pretty this wasn't what i was hoping it would be um you know this is my first time watching it um it was i can see why it kind of slipped through the cracks and wasn't something that i picked up earlier um, but I did, I thought like just the look of the movie, the costumes, I thought that was all really great. Um, I just really wish they had had a better script, uh, and maybe some more focus kind of mm-hmm. on the production end. And uh, I think that would have really improved it and probably made it into like a classic, but, uh, but you know, they can't all be winners. Let me, let me say one thing for, for you. And that is, you mentioned, um, you know, to me earlier this week and then, and then earlier in the podcast, you mentioned, uh, the the diving of the Hawkman um, yes. being like a really great moment for you. And let me tell you that that when I was a kid, that was always my favorite part of the movie. Uh, it's when it it's when the movie picks up again and uh, but that whole like assault on that like flying fortress thing yeah. was easily my favorite moment of the movie. And I used to even fast forward to that point sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that part's awesome. And I think it's it all, is. I mean, not all. I think it's 90% the music, just rewatching it. It's just, For the sure. music is so awesome. For and sure, it, I agree. It, yeah. You know, it, it all looks really silly, like the green screen or blue screen or whatever it was. Um, 
but yeah, just like the, his, uh, Brian Blessed's like line delivery and just kind of the silliness or insanity of that little scene. And then the music, it's just like, this is awesome. Like this, if the whole movie had that kind of energy and just craziness to it, then it would be great. But obviously, and you know, I mean, it's also worth noting that there are movies that like, again, are like, there are movies that are considered like, classics that were terrible until they put the music in them right like yeah. people laughed at you know like famously people laughed at halloween and i don't think i think jaws like originally had a different soundtrack that was not good um, interesting yeah or, or like john williams had like he had prepared something else maybe that was like um or, or maybe spielberg had, had requested something else anyway i know that like he when he showed like he was like, well, we were gonna do this, and I could be just making this up, but I'm pretty sure um, he was like, <laughs> they they had like much more like extravagant plans for the score, and then he was, and then John Williams was like, well, we could also just do this, and then played the diddly, and mm-hmm. I think at first he like played played Dvorak. I think at first like Spielberg like laughed at him. I think is like the story, um, yeah. but then it was like, oh yeah, it actually is perfect. Anyway, so all that to say that like the music making this making it isn't like isn't a thing that is unique to this bad movie so sure yeah i don't know what yeah it's all got to work together i've seen a thing of like what is the best example of that of like music making something awesome that like without it it's just like nothing i mean life probably yeah there you go that's great mike (laughs) i like that thank you yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, the opening crawl of Star Wars <laughs> right, <laughs> be pretty boring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like if did they you know just who wrote that? Who? Oh, Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that until fairly recently. It's crazy. Um, hey, I'm yeah. gonna ruin our podcast. Um, when Andrew, when you said thank you, Dmao, were you saying like Dmao's making fun of me? No, I was saying thank you, D-Mal, for not knowing that. Like th- he did, though. It is a lobotomy robot. <laughs> yeah, but he he didn't know. Yeah, he did. Is it? He said, "Is it a?" No, because he doesn't know you're talking about Star Wars. You're giving D-Mal. No, I think he does. No way, because he said, "Is it a lobotomy robot?" Not "Is it the lobotomy robot from?" Star Wars, which we don't even know is a lobotomy robot. <laughs> they don't like it means Lobot. <laughs> Kit, when when in the movie they don't even say I don't think they even say that character's Lobot. name. They do not Lobot, I would I think Lobot is the most famous Star Wars character you not are to insane. have a name. You are crazy. They I don't think they I don't he has no lines. I don't think I don't think any He's a meme. Nobody call I don't think any I don't think Lando ever says like, "Hey, this is my friend Lobot, short for lobotomy." <laughs> no. Wait. Are you guys chatting in the pond while you're doing yeah. the episode? Yeah, we got bored wow. while you yeah. were talking. Wow. <laughs> uh, wish we didn't friendship. Know. Yeah. That that reminds me it's time for a message from our sponsor, the American Friend Institute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, make sure that and? you get a you find a good friend. Great, Mike. This is really good. We're gonna go back to <laughs> tapping side chats while you figure this one out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna leave this whole section in. It's not gonna make any sense to anybody who's not us, but I don't really yeah, care. I don't, who cares? No one. We'll have like four listeners anyway. No one listens. Yeah. 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 
Well, I mean, we My could, dad will we get could it. cut it <laughs> off if we want. But either way. Uh, no, we, we'll we, And it. I'm also going to yeah, leave we'll, this conversation about cutting it. Sure. Yeah. I, I've, I've listened to lots of podcasts where they do stuff like that. Great. Love it. The, uh, oh, that's, that's all we got for you tonight, folks. Uh, thanks for Why joining us. Why are you bragging us? about listening to lots of podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, tell us all the ways that your life is so awesome. You listen I've, to yeah, everyone no listens to claims. lots of podcasts, Mike. The what? I listen to a bunch today. Everyone listens to lots of podcasts. I don't I don't listen to that many podcasts. You're over there bragging about you it. You said you did. I did not. <laughs> play play back the tape. Let's hear it. Oh, I guess I have the tape. Well, once I send this in for Andrew to edit, we can re-listen to it. It's we'll crazy. It's really, you know, people People will look back on us, or really they'll be telling us in a week, they'll be like, why did you guys decide to record to tape? And what, <laughs> and what we will tell them is that we, were, we really wanted to go for like that 60s, 70s, like, podcast sound right we wanted yeah. that yeah. we wanted that raw we want the crackle we want that the warmth. exactly crackle and crackle and warmth exactly yeah and i think yeah. that will set us apart and people are really good at, they're gonna notice and they are gonna appreciate it i mean the true true podcast fans will appreciate it that's that's why every time we record i eat a bag of chips next to a leaky radiator <laughs> you know it just gives it that sound you know my my band recorded on the tape machines that recorded the audio for star wars Really? Do you know that? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool. We should yeah. we should be recording on this they podcast. The tape, on they that. had the tape machine from Skywalker Ranch. That's Is cool. it just me Isn't or does cool? does everything come back to Star Wars somehow? That's the world, man. Yeah, it does. Especially in 2019. It's truly yeah. like I've been at multiple events in the last two weeks where people were like, can we not talk about Star Wars? And you yeah. can't. You can't not talk about Star Wars. It's weird. I didn't even think people were that excited for the new one, but it seems like you know, people well, are talking think about, about I don't think they are. Yeah. It didn't it do like worse pre-sales or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe my friend invited me to go on opening night. And I was like, I'm really not that kind of a girl. Sorry. I, and then Lee was talking about Lee was talking about how like, oh, my family's going to be here. And so I'm going to see if they want to go. I'm like, I'm not going to fucking Star Wars with the, your entire family <laughs> on opening fucking night. <laughs> I feel like there was like there have been like a few really only a few years where star like we weren't really talking about star like I think probably the biggest stretch we weren't talking about Star Wars was like maybe before the maybe between 2005 and 2012 when they sold Lucasfilm like after yeah. like the, like a, I got to tell you I went 27 years without talking about Star Wars. Yeah, but unless I was playing Battlefront. Okay, cool. <laughs> Congrats, living on the fringes of society. Um, and I, and yet, I know who fucking Lobot is. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what are we doing next? Oh yes, thanks for listening, everybody, and join us <laughs> next week when we will continue my triple feature. My uh, what was it called? My uh, colorful and cartoonish adaptation triple feature with uh, 1990s Dick Tracy. Be there. Cool. Hooray for- Hooray.